Now you can be seated. <laughs> Good morning. It is awesome to be worshiping with my church body this morning and to introduce to you all Sandra Chican. Um, Sandra is a children's home director with an organization that we work with back in um, Nigeria. And so she has been with us the last couple of weeks. We've been doing some training here in Dayton, Ohio. We did a trauma healing workshop. And God has been um, using our time the last couple of weeks just to make um, connecting with our, our church bodies that have been supporting us and that have joined us in this journey to serve the orphan child in Nigeria. So I'm excited to introduce her to you today. Um, she is a sister in Christ. She is just a humble woman. I'm so excited what God has been doing in her life and how she is um, impacting the 35 kids in the home that she serves over there. So um, let's welcome Sandra this morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Greetings all the way from Nigeria. Um, we thank you so much for allowing us to come. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Thank you so much for your support and your encouragement, even to back-to-back -back in the work that they do in Nigeria. This, for us, is an opportunity for us to come and see the people that uh, believe in the vision of back-to-back -back and the people that God has given a heart of compassion and love towards the children uh, back in Nigeria. I stand here representing those children because I have a similar or the same story uh, as some of the children that we have saved and Back to Back has helped to rescue. I know that when I was nine, I lost my mom. When I was 11, my father died. I had to live with an, with an uncle who had 10 children and there were eight of us. So it was a lot of hardship and a lot of pain. And at the age of 13, I was tired of life and I just went back um, to the back of the house and I took a piece of zinc and I started cutting my wrist. There was nothing for me to live for. I didn't have any hope. I didn't have any encouragement. Out of that, God, um, while I was at the back of the house, God used a song to get my attention and to draw me to him. And the song was, you know, uh, the lady singing the song just had these words in the song. He sees every little teardrop you cry, every little heartache inside. He understands every little thing uh, you're going through. He knows how it feels to be lonely. At that point, I knew there was a God who, uh, who knew me, who wanted my life. And I felt deep within that God was telling me not to end my life because he had a plan and a purpose for me. And today I've seen the plan come to pass in that God has allowed me to open a home for 35 children. Well, we started with 18 children. Now we have 35 children who uh, have gone through some of them worse cases, worse experiences than I have been through. Some of them watched their parents killed. Some of them um, HIV um, uh, kill their parents and so they, they don't have anybody. Some of them are living positively right now with HIV. Some of them rejected and abandoned. But because of the partnership and the sponsorship, we have seen God take a child who was full of aggression and hate and pain now being bold, confident, and full of joy. We have seen children coming from the villages who cannot speak even Hausa, which is a lingua franca in the country, but now they're able to even speak English. We have seen children who, at 14 years old, uh, because they've received an education now, are so excited about school, and they're able to go to school, even though some of them are in grade two at the age of 14. But we've seen that they're excited about it. We've seen little children who now have the opportunity to hold a backpack, you know, and to jump into a bus 
to take them to school. Because of the sponsorship, Back to Back was able to help us take some children to school outside of the home. And for us, that is really huge because it helps us to uh, integrate the children with other children, uh, not those that are orphans, but just in the society. And that for us is a big thing because in Nigeria, if you stay cooped up in a home, 365 days a year by the time you go out you're um, you're not a well-functioning adult and so for us we've seen that happen I know that there's a boy who died a couple of um, about six months ago he was HIV positive and had sickle cells but his family had rejected him once he came into the home we know that his last days were filled with joy Tracy and Leah, who are back-to-back staff, were able to comfort him and give him a hope. And, at the la- and he died when I was, I mean, I, I went to the hospital with him. And I remember him saying, Mommy, Mommy, thank you, thank you. And so for us, those are the reasons why we continue to do what we're doing. And I just want to encourage you that your giving is not in vain. You're here in America thousands of miles away, but you're giving your prayers, your encouragement to even those that go on mission trips is very huge. And we want you to continue to excel in your giving. And just like the Lord has raised you to be a help and a support to us, one day some of those children might be standing where I am standing. I have gotten the opportunity to come to America because someone is praying and someone has reached out to us. And because of that, I've had the wonderful experiences to see the Amish people to go to Macy's and get four bags of wonderful clothes and this shoe I'm wearing for $250. Isn't that exciting? I've had the opportunity to see snow and ice. Uh, It's cold though, you know, and I just love, love the Lord because of what he has done through through you and through the prayers of God's people. And I thank God uh, for this opportunity even to share with you this morning. Thank you so much for loving us, and thank you for being a blessing to Nigeria. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now, now, I'm gonna, <clears throat> now I have to get my I'm gonna focus back here because I just find it extraordinary and hard to comprehend. Um, and I think you'll appreciate this and the work that we as a church are doing with back-to-back. But imagine um, dying of AIDS, and at the very end of your life, you're thankful. Mommy, mommy, thank you, thank you, thank you. For just giving, you know, a little bit of joy, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of peace in your life before you pass on to the next. Um, Just a little different world in which we live, huh? But it gives us a um, it gives us an understanding and a heart and a passion and a drive and a relentless spirit to make sure we continue to do what God has called us to do to invest in the lives of children and people around the world who uh, need a sustainable future and I love having Daniel here and Sandra here and to kind of share their stories. We're going to do, right after the service, we're going to have a little um, kind of a a time after with pizza and uh, just kind of talking a little more, hear a little more about what's going on in Nigeria. I know it's crazy out there, so you do what you need to do. I don't want anyone to get hurt, um, but we will have some pizza afterward. Just hang out a little bit and talk about that. But I, I I just needed to pause and to and to say how, how significant it is when we drill a well, how significant it is when you sponsor a child through back-to-back, um, 
These aren't kids you're never going to see. You can go and see them. You can, you can go hang out with them. Uh, when it comes to back-to-back, we go miles deep and not as wide uh, because we're, in, we're intentionally transforming the lives of children and, and their families. And uh, you can sponsor a child, build a relationship with a child, and actually have a relationship for the rest of your life with that child, which is so amazing and so different than other, um, not the other organizations aren't good, they're fantastic, but back-to-back is special in that way. I just needed to pause and and uh, just uh, mention that as we uh, go into our time. Let me just pray real quick. Father God, thank you for this time we can spend together, and thank you for Sandra and for Daniel and for their lives and for the 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 stories they bring back to us, Lord God, and the, the hope they give us, knowing that when we invest, lives are changed. There's transformation. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about transformed lives. Lord God, we ask that you would transform our lives, that you would strengthen us, that you'd help us overcome the stresses in our lives so that we can focus on those who so desperately need you. Focus on our families, focus on our work, focus on those around the world, Lord God, who who need to know you more and need help. We love you, we praise you, we ask that you prepare our hearts in Jesus' name. Welcome to 50 Days of Transformation in this new series that we're in right now. Last week, we started by looking at really one of the most famous parables that Jesus ever taught. It was the parable of the prodigal son. If you weren't here last week, make sure you get the, the, the CD and, and listen to that or go online. The, Jesus taught us a, the lessons about the, the prodigal son and our, and our spiritual transformation. This week we're going to look at the most famous psalm in the Bible, and that is Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Last week we looked at the about transforming our spiritual health. What does it mean to transform our spiritual health? And we looked at three habits um, of, of, of spiritual health. That we, if we focus on these three habits of spiritual health, it will really help us to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. This, reason, this, this week, we're going to turn our attention to the physical health, the physical side, the physical habits. What can we do physically to get health in our lives? I want this Sunday to specifically look at the effects of stress on your body. And what the Bible says are the, what, what is the antidote to those, to those stresses that we have in our lives? So let's look at what, how stress affects our bodies and then what the Bible says is the antidote to the most, most common forms of stresses in our lives. So if you're a little bit tired this morning, if you're a little bit run down, if you're a little bit stressed out, then you picked a perfect day to come to church. Okay, got up. Fought the ice, fought the snow, you're here. Some of you probably because you said, I cannot go through another week without spending time with the Lord, without hearing from God. So you picked a good morning to come because we're going to look at some of those stresses in our lives. Before we look at the text, I just want to identify the seven most common sources of stress in modern life. The first one is worry. Worry. We have so many, you know, I picked this one first because there's so many things in our modern culture that we have to worry about that they didn't have to worry about years ago. I'll give you an example. Identity theft. Okay? Identity theft. We have to worry about identity. Someone stealing our identity. You know, 75 years ago, someone says, I'm Joe Smith. Someone else would say, no, you're not. 
I know Joe Smith, and you, sir, are no Joe Smith. You know what I mean? Right? That's all the person. Oh, yeah, you're right. You caught me. I'm not Joe Smith. And he walked away. And that'd be the end of it. Now we have identity theft and people taking your money out of your bank account. It's ridiculous with the stresses that we have in our lives. So many things for us to worry about. So many new things for us to worry about, to be concerned about. So worries, number one. The second greatest threat, I believe, is hurry. Oh, the hurry, the pace, the pace that goes on. Hurry comes from an increasing pace in your life. Wouldn't you agree that the world is just getting faster and faster and faster and faster? And we come up with all these gadgets and all this technology to make our lives more simple and to to be able to. I mean, the idea, I remember this years ago, we're going to have microwaves and we're going to have cell phones and we have all this technology and computers are going to make our lives so much better because they're going to allow us more leisure time. Now someone Twitters you and then says, well, didn't you get my tweet? What? You didn't call me back. You can tweet you. You can Facebook you. Before, you you get in your car. No one can get you. Well, I'm sorry. I was in my car. I'm sorry. I was walking around by myself. Now you're attached. There's no way to get away. It's go, 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 go. Constant rush, rush, rush. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And it overwhelms. Most people I know are overwhelmed by the pace that they think they need to keep up in life. They're overwhelmed by it. So hurry, hurry. The third thing that causes stress is crowds. The crowds. Now, I love people. I, I love being around people. But what's happening in our world is, you know, the more and more, the more and more people that are around, and it's not a bad thing at all. But when you get crowds, you get a little bit stre- of, of stress in your life. Why? Because there's more traffic on the roads. There's more lines to wait in. There's more. There's more of everything. So you have these crowds. Think about this. In 1800, there was one city in the world that had over a million people in it. One. London. It was the only city in the world with over a million people living there. Now there are over 500 cities in the world with over a million people living in them. That causes stress in people's lives. Crowds, there are so many people around. The fourth modern stress is choice. Choice. It's funny, when I, when I, I brought this up in first service, after first service, people started throwing out their, their own ideas, and they were saying, just think about this and think about that. We have more choices than ever before in our lives, and we think that choices will give us freedom. It'll, it'll give us freedom. It'll, give us, it'll, it'll liberate us. But actually, it paralyzes us because it creates indecision. There are so many choices. Someone brought up Oreos. Do you remember when, when you went to go get an Oreo? You got an Oreo. All right, right? It was just an Oreo. A little black cookie, a little white icing, right? Now there's double, which I am not opposed to, okay? <laughs> I'm not complaining. Don't get this wrong. I'm not complaining. Double stuffs. But then there's peanut butter Oreos. And then there's the tiny Oreos. And those little bags, you get little tiny Oreos. And there's probably peanut butter tiny Oreos. There's, or, there's all kinds of Oreos. There's so many different things to choose from. Daniel was saying, to, he told Emily, was telling me, Daniel was saying, he walks in a restaurant, and the, and the, and the, and the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, um, Menu, thank you. The menu is like a novel. Can't even remember the word menu. The menu, the menu is like a novel, right? He, he's kind of staring at it going, uh, uh, I'll be there in about 10 minutes. I've got to read the menu, right? 
Because there's so many choices and it and it creates in our lives indecision and indecision in a person's life often causes stress. The fifth. okay, the fifth one here is a loss of privacy, a loss of privacy. Every time think about this, every time you and I go to the store to buy something, the person ringing you up is gathering your information. I found this to be astounding when I first heard it. So they ring you up. How many diapers did you buy? How much of this did you buy? So they ring how many diapers? And then when you get get home, maybe you get an email a few months later that says, hey, congratulations on the birth of your baby. How the heck did Target know that I had a baby? They knew because they keep track of what you buy. A loss of privacy. I remember sitting in my house about six months ago. I was on Facebook and I wanted to take a Dr. Seuss quote. I saw a Dr. Seuss quote that I thought was cute. And I was going to put it. I was going to post it. And as I took, I, I was copying a Dr. Seuss quote. My computer took a picture of me in my house and put it up on my computer and froze my computer. And basically, it was a scam saying you plagiarized or something. And they don't even. And I thought, you know, this is ridiculous. I wanted five hundred dollars. I was, I was doing, you know, I was plagiarizing. Obviously, that's not true because you're allowed to quote someone in a book or online or even in a sermon. So, but the idea that someone could take a picture of you in your own house by your computer stresses you out. Made, didn't, it made me angry. It made me really angry. He said it was some, the IRS or something like that. I thought, this is our government. But obviously it wasn't. It was a scam. But we stressed out about what government, what are they doing? And what is, what are the, what's the private sector doing? And it's, it's, it's taking away our privacy. And that causes us to stress out. Six is pluralism. What is pluralism? Well, now we live in a world where the people around us have different values. They have different beliefs. They have different convictions. They have different lifestyles. They have different uh, cultures and, and things, like, things like that. A hundred years ago in America, we had common values. Pretty much everyone had common values. It's not that way any, anymore. Now people have, have different cultural values. That means that we get into conflict and I don't, I'm not one to, if someone thinks a little different, whatever else doesn't stress me out or anything. But what happens is when you have a lot of different cultural values, lifestyles going on that's changing rapidly, it stresses people out. It stresses me out in some ways to watch the way that our country is going and some of the thought processes that people have. It causes conflict with people. And then you have the media and you have the government feeding on and encouraging, if you will, the conflict. It creates this culture of incivility. People, people are just rude to each other. And that creates stress in people's lives. When someone is feeding, feeding, feeding constantly, this, this whole idea of separation, and it, it creates stress in people's lives. People, people don't do very well when, they're, when, when, uh, when when it's basically change that they're not looking for or it's unwanted change, that creates stress in someone's life. Again, it creates that incivility. It creates that, that people are just rude to each other. And when you have that, you have stress. Seventh, the last one, is the fear of the future. The what ifs. Some of you are really big into what if. What if this and what if that? What if this happens and what could happen? And, and we get stressed out about it. Now, Here's some good news. Here's some good news. All of the antidotes, all of the antidotes for those seven 
uh, most common forms of stress in our modern life, all the antidotes are found in Psalm 23. All of them. Those six verses, it's only six verses long, and it addresses all seven of the most stressful things that we face in our lives. I know there are others, but these, I think, are, are a good list of about seven that we face in our lives. Let me, let me read you the psalm. And there's different, you have different versions, but I'll, I'll, I'll read this and you, you know, you've heard it before. The Lord is my shepherd, so I have all I need. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in lush green meadows. He, he leads me beside calm, quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in, in, in the right path for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy or goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Some of you have memorized that. Many of us who are older have just memorized that psalm. It's the most beloved psalm in the Bible, and for good reason. It has offered comfort to people for thousands of years. Whether you live in Nigeria, whether you live in, in India, whether you live in the United States, that psalm has, 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 has given comfort to thousands, millions, billions of people, if you will, for thousands of years. And when you really dig into it, when you really try to understand it, it's, really, it's, it's telling you how to lower your stress. It's a model for stress management. If you read through that, I went through seven of the most common modern stresses that we deal with in our lives. If you read through those six verses, it is the antidote for those seven stresses. It's absolutely amazing. It's incredible. So let's look at the seven spiritual habits that reduce stress. The first antidote to stress is to look to God to meet all of your needs. I need to look to God to meet all of my needs. Okay, that's the first thing that David says we need to do to relieve stress. Stop focusing on your husband. Stop focusing on your wife. Stop focusing on your career. Stop focusing on your money to meet your needs. If you do that, you reduce stress in your lives. If you stop focusing on other people or other things, you'll reduce stress in your lives. It will go down dramatically. Stop putting your security in things that you can lose. That's the point. Stop putting your security in something that you can lose. As your pastor and as your friend, I recommend that you never put your security in something that can be taken away from you. Something that can be taken away. Something you can lose. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. So I have all I need. I shall not want. I don't have to worry. God is my shepherd. Stop looking to the people around you to meet those needs. They're not going to be able to do it. There is no one on this planet who can meet all of your physical, emotional and spiritual needs. It's just not going to happen. And when you put your security in those things, if you put your security in your money, you put your security in your position those things can be taken away. Those things can be lost. So David is telling us, he's saying that the first step to stress reduction is that we need to worship. It comes back to worship. I refocus, my, my, I refocus on God. 
I refocus it all on God. I worship him. I put my focus on him. Every time we start to get stressed out, we need to take a step back and we need to remember the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then we take the second step. We go to number two. Number two is I need to obey God's instruction about rest. My goodness, I'll raise my hand on this one. You know, sometimes the reason that we get sick, sometimes the reason that we get overwhelmed and we get just we get run down is we we don't take time to rest. So much of the stress in our lives comes from always hurrying. We talked about that, the hurry, the go, 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 go. And we get overwhelmed by all the hurry. God says that we need to rest in Psalm 23 two, it says he makes me lie down. Do you know sheep are too dopey? to lie down when they're tired. So the shepherd has to make them lie down, has to make them rest. The Bible says that we need a Sabbath. We need to rest, a day of rest. And there are certain things that we need to do when we have this Sabbath. Let me mention a few. Number one, you need to rest your body. You need physical rest. It's real simple. You need to physically rest. Some of you need to sleep in. Go to bed early. You need to get your rest. Oh, I can go on four hours. No, you can't. You really can't. You just don't know you can't because you're in this kind of fog state that you're in a lot of the time because you're not resting. Somehow figure out, go to bed early, get a nap, do what you need to do. But you need to take that time. And God says, take a day. And if you need to nap, you need to rest. You need to physically rest your body. Second, you need to reinforce your spirit. Reinforce your spirit with worship. That's what we're doing this morning. We come together and we worship God together. We're reinforcing our spirit by coming together on Sundays to worship. And this is not the only place that we worship, obviously, but there's something about a Sunday where we come together as the body of Christ. We put everything else out of our minds and we just worship him. Refocus your spirit. Third is recharge your emotions. You need to recharge your emotions. Use the Sabbath to recharge your emotional state. Listen, emotional exhaustion is not far behind physical exhaustion, is it? You all know this is true. I mean, how many of us, think about this, how many of us get so physically exhausted that we walk around just almost this, it's it's just right below the surface, the irritation is right below the surface, and then someone comes along in the family and says something or someone at work and we snap at them emotionally snap. We emotionally snap because emotional exhaustion is not far behind physical exhaustion. We need to take the time to take a deep breath, to just reflect on God and who he is. The Lord is my shepherd. I need to obey God and his command to rest. The Lord is my shepherd. He makes me lie down. Let's just focus on the Lord for a couple minutes this morning as we sing this song. That's nice, isn't it? I mean, just to stop and, and experience that. That's what we're talking about. Just taking the time to rest. Promise me in your minds um, that you're going to take some time for yourself. Find some time for yourself and just rest. It's so important to your physical health that you rest and to your emotional health that you rest. Third, we recharge our souls with beauty. How do we overcome the modern stresses? You recharge your soul with beauty. Have you ever thought about why God created such a beautiful world? I mean, God created sunsets and sunrises and 
uh, flowers, beautiful flowers that were never even that most people will never even see. But he created the world so beautiful. God created the world with such vibrant colors. Have you ever heard someone uh, say to you, man, I feel so close to God when I'm out in nature. I get out in nature. I just I just feel so close to God. And you think, of course, because he created it. He created nature. He that's what he that's what he created us to do. Man was created to live in a garden, not in a skyscraper. Right. I mean, honestly, we were created. We were when God made us, he put us in a beautiful, beautiful place. He put us in the Garden of Eden, a beautiful, relaxing, incredible place. Notice, notice the next verse in Psalm 23, 2 and 3. It says, he makes me lie down. Where does he make me lie down? He makes me lie down in lush green meadows and green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters, beside calm, quiet waters. He restores my soul. There is a reason why this is the most beloved psalm in the Bible. Because, my friends, we can visualize it. We can literally visualize this. Close your eyes with me. Close your eyes. After that song and this, you're probably, some of you fall asleep. That's okay. All right? You need to sleep. That's okay. I want you to close your eyes, though. I want you to visualize this. When I say, think about, take a deep breath, rest your arms, just rest, okay? When I, when I say, when I talk about lush green meadows, green pastures, he makes me lie down. Remember when you were a child and you were just able to lay down, just lie down in a, in a patch of grass or something that was just so lush and it smelled great? He makes me lie down in lush green meadows, Beside quiet waters, think about yourself just sitting. Maybe that, that summer place that you have or you've been before where you're sitting on the dock in that chair. you got your little iced tea with you there, that straw. You're sipping it and you're looking out. It's early in the morning. Maybe you have a coffee and you're just looking out early in the morning over that beautiful lake and it's just glass. The water is just like glass. He makes me lie down in lush green meadows by calm, quiet waters. You just think about that, and it's relaxing just to think about. We can visualize that. Listen, you need beauty in your lives. You need beauty in your, you need beautiful scenes in order to, to keep the stress down in your life. Let me give you a few suggestions, and today's not going to be one of those days, but you need to get outside. <laughs> Right. You need to, we all need to get outside. And here's my I thought about this because it's like 10 below zero the entire winter and it snows every you notice it snows rains every single Sunday, too. Um, it's amazing. But what you need to do is get outside. If you can't get outside, here's my suggestion. Go to go to Benkins floors and greenhouses. Right. And hang out in there for a little while. Smell. Just go to a greenhouse that is close by to your house and just go walk through there. Sometimes they have those little water features that are running and you can smell that water. You smell there's a certain smell to a pond. Some people don't like it. I love when a breeze blows off a pond. It's just a certain smell that takes me back to my childhood. I love that smell. I love being in a greenhouse, especially in the wintertime where you can just smell the plants and you feel a little you feel that warmth. 
You need to do that. You need to get out. We need to get out. And, and if it's not outside, we need to. And when it is time to get outside, when it's warm enough, you need to get outside and enjoy it. It'll, le- it'll lower your stress level immensely. I am, I am working on, I'm saving up for, I have a little pond in my backyard. We have two and a half acres there in Butler Warren. I want to dig out half an acre of that property. I found out there's like no laws. It's like amazing. I was stunned. I called the town. There's like no laws against it. Yeah, I was expecting all these laws and regulations. So you, you don't have, they don't have any. So I would love to dig out. I'm going to save up and I'm going to dig out and with, with our family a half acre pond. You know why? Because I love being outside and just, man, you know, tie a string, a fishing string to your toe and just go to sleep and go fishing with your feet. I don't know if you've ever done that, but just don't catch a big one. Um, and that's what I want, that's what I want to do. I need to be outside. I need to relax. I need to lower my stress. So that's important. A little side note here. Do not start your day with media and end your day with media. Start your day with God and end your day with God. So many of you are stressed out because you're listening constantly to the world coming to an end. Okay? You need to start your day with God. You need to end your day with God. Maybe in the middle you can listen to a little bit of that, but don't start your day and end your day with that. Intentionally put beauty around you intentionally put beautiful things around you, pieces of art that you absolutely love. Even if it's a, a you know, replica of something, just put some art around you, music that inspires you. Let, let it play in your house. You know, I know people have like different kinds of music, but maybe now they have those headphone things or whatever. I mean, just different ones that people, you can listen to different music in your house. Find your music and just let that music inspire you. You need music. You need art in your life. You need beauty in your life. And by the way, art, beauty, art and music are the greatest arguments against evolution, period. They are. You know why? Because basically, they're totally unnecessary for human survival. God created art and music for us to express our emotions. That's why he created it. We express our emotions through art and beauty. It does nothing for our physical survival. There's no reason, really major reason for it in our lives, except that God created us to appreciate beauty, to appreciate music, we were created in the image of God. We didn't evolve. And this is two of the greatest arguments against evolution is art and music. So God gave us those things to express our emotions. We need to do that. I need to recharge my soul with beauty. I need to, I need to, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. We need that in our lives. Number four, go to God for guidance. You need to go to God for guidance. This is really important because a common source of stress in your life is indecision. Remember we talked about indecision. And it, you can't go to your friends for guidance. That, that, you should not go to your friends first for guidance. You shouldn't go to the pundits on TV first for guidance. They tell you, oh, what should I be doing here? I'm going to listen to whoever. You need to go to God first to get your guidance because it is, you're being overwhelmed. Some of you are in a position where it's hard for you right now to make up your mind. You hear so many things that are going on, so many voices, but you have to make a decision. It's like a fork in the road for you right now, and you can't make a decision, and it's killing you. The indecision is killing you. Go to God for guidance. Make him your first stop. God is always going to tell you the truth. In Psalm 23 and verse 3, it says, He guides me in the right path for His namesake. He will guide you in the right path. He will guide you. He will tell you which way to go. Spend time with Him. Number five, trust God in the dark valleys. 
Trust God in the dark valleys. We're all going to go through. We've all gone through and we will all go through dark valleys. And the longer you live, the more the more valleys you will have. It's not just once it will go on. We are going, my friends, I hate to break the bad news to you. We are all going to continue to go through dark valleys. It's just the way it is. One of the common, one of the most common sources of stress in our lives is loss, loss. We go through this loss and we need to trust in God. We need to, we need to put our hope in him when we go through these dark valleys because we go through loss. You, you have the loss sometimes of your, of your job. You have the loss of your income. You have the, you have the loss of your, of your health. You have the loss of your reputation. Sometimes we have the loss of people that we love, people that we're close to in our lives. There is loss constantly in our lives. We go through many, many losses in life. And we go through these losses. There's usually two common responses to loss, grief and fear. Grief is good. Fear is bad. Grief is good because it doesn't paralyze you. Fear is bad because fear does paralyze you. So we need to experience the grief, but not the fear. Don't allow fear to paralyze you. In Psalm 23, 4, here's what David says. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I don't fear anything. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We should not fear. When we come through, we have loss in our lives. Yes, we grieve. But we should not fear because God is with us. Some of you are going to the valley of the shadow right now. I know this. Some of you are going to the valley of the shadow of death. Some of you are going to the valley of the shadow of debt. Some of you are going to the valley of the shadow of criticism. Some of you are going to the valley of the shadow of depression. Some of you are going to the valley of the shadow of discouragement. We are all going to go through the valley of the shadow. Shadows can be scary. Remember when you were a little kid and you're sitting in your bed and you get, you know, you're, you know, you're staring one way, but you, you kind of see a shadow off to the side. And when you're a little kid, it's scary. You don't know what, what is that? What is a shadow? And shadows make you nervous. But let me tell you what I've learned about shadows. Shadows can't hurt you. They can't hurt you. If you were to get run over by a truck, that would hurt you because it's real. But if you get run over by the shadow of the truck, that cannot hurt you. A shadow cannot hurt you. Listen, a shadow is often, the shadow itself is often bigger and more menacing, if you will, looking than that which casts it. And that's what makes us nervous sometimes with these shadows. The enemy loves to use shadows to overwhelm us, to scare us. Sometimes your fear of an event, think about this, is worse than the event itself. Am I right? Sometimes you dwell on something, something's coming, and the fear of what's coming is more powerful than the event itself. You actually get to the event and it wasn't as bad as you thought it was going to be. Most of the time. I say 90% of the time, the fear of what's coming sometimes, the shadow, if you will, that cast, that is cast by the event, is, not, is, is more frightful to you than the event itself. That shouldn't be, because God is walking with you. We shouldn't, we shouldn't have that as part of our lives. Don't allow the shadow to frighten you. Here's the good news. 
I really love this. Whenever there's a shadow, I want you to think about this. Whenever there's a shadow, there's a light. You can't have a shadow without a light. So keep that in your mind. Whenever there's a shadow, there's a light. So the, so the key when you're going through the valley of the shadow to not be afraid is to turn your back on the shadow and focus your attention on the light. If you focus on the light, the shadow cannot scare you. And the light of the world is Jesus Christ. If we keep our eyes focused on the light and turn our back on the shadow, the shadow cannot frighten us, cannot scare us, cannot overwhelm us, cannot control us. So what you need to say is, God, I'm going to trust you in the dark valleys. I'm going to put my trust in you. That, my friends, will reduce the stress of loss in your lives. Number six, let God be my defender. You need to allow God to be your defender. Another common cause of stress in our lives is conflict. It's attack, opposition, criticism. There are people, believe it or not, this is shocking to so many of you, there are people who just don't like you for some reason. Isn't that amazing? How can that be? I know most of you. How can someone not like you? But it's the truth. Someone, there are some people who just don't like you. They criticize you. They put you down many times out of jealousy. It's a lot of times it's because of jealousy or fear. Fear somehow you're going to advance or something good is happening in your life. So they're fearful. So they try to put you down. And the most frustrating thing of all is sometimes it's your family. They won't allow you just to enjoy some of the, some of the good things that happen in your life. They're, they always got to throw something negative in there. You get a promotion or something positive happens or you win a race or you did something well and there's people in the family I don't mean your immediate family I just mean family members sometimes who who will just throw out little criticisms and not allow you to enjoy anything they're always putting you down there's never a positive word of encouragement when something good happens they always have to throw in that little you know what I'm talking about right just that just to take it away from you And it gets so frustrating. And when that happens, our natural response is to attack back or to criticize back or to retaliate or to get even. But if you do that, if you if you if you criticize back, if you do that, if you behave the same way, you're lowering yourself. You're putting you're putting yourself on their level. And God doesn't want us to do that. He doesn't want us to live that way. Listen, little people belittle people. Little people belittle people. Great people make people feel great. How do you handle a rude person? How do you handle an obnoxious person? How do you handle a mean person? I'll tell you, you don't. You let God handle them. You trust God to handle them. You allow God to be your defender. David was a pro at this. Remember how Saul would chase him around and constantly attack him and constantly try to get him? And David never responded. He never said a bad word against Saul. He didn't. He wouldn't retaliate. He wouldn't criticize back. He wouldn't do that. David says in Psalm 23, 5, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. What is David saying here? This is a metaphor. He's saying, you know what? 
God is so good to me. God determines my destiny. God dictates my destiny. Not any other person. He anoints my head with oil. He determines who I'm going to be, how great I'm going to be, how simple I'm going to be. God determines my destiny. Not any other person. He says, my cup overflows. God, you have been so good to me. You have been so good to me, even in the face of my critics, even in the face of my attackers, in the face of my enemies. You have been so good to me. You have blessed me over and over and over again. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to allow you to be my defender. You are most like Jesus Christ in your life when you are silent in when you're being criticized. You're most like Jesus Christ in your life when you're when when you have silence in in the in the attack. Now I'm not saying that you. You should allow people to walk all over you. You know me. I'm not saying that. But you are most like Christ when you do not retaliate, when you don't lower yourself to someone else's level and say those evil, nasty words back or try to do something that harms them, responds to them, retaliates against them. You are most like Christ when you allow him to defend you, when you trust him to defend you. The Bible tells you a gentle answer turns away wrath. Don't respond. Don't escalate it. Don't lower yourself to their level. Now, there's one more common source of stress, and that is the fear of the future. The fear of the future. The seventh thing that David says in this beautiful psalm is that God is going to finish what he starts. Expect God to finish what he started in me. You and I can expect that God will finish what he started in us. Are you a person who's afraid of the future? Are you the what if kind of person? What if this or you're, you're, you're always what ifing? What if this happens or what, what if that happens? I, what, you, you fear the future. David says in Psalm 23, verse six, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Life may be challenging for you, but if you walk with God, I know it's a challenge. I understand that. I know so many of you are going through challenges. But if you walk with God, surely his goodness His mercy and his love will follow you all the days of your life, even to the very end. Even if it it continues to be difficult, God will not leave your, your side. Surely goodness and love and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. My friends, we have to have an eternal perspective here. We are only here on this earth for a short period of time to serve God and to glorify God. Then we will leave this world and we will spend an eternity with God. And let me tell you something. There is no one or nothing that can stop that from happening. You will have God walking with you on this, on this earth. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And when this life is over, you are going to spend an eternity with him. And no one and nothing can stop that. You and I are destined to spend our lives with God. We need to look at this world from an eternal perspective. I want you to bow your heads with me as we close. God, we ask that you would help us to do that. To look at our lives from an eternal perspective. To realize that your goodness and your love will follow us all the days of our lives. And that, Father, we will dwell in your house 
forever. Help us, Lord, to overcome the stresses that we face in our lives through your word. Help us to memorize this psalm. And as those stresses arise, as they come forward in our lives, that your word would bring us comfort, would bring us joy, would bring us peace, would bring us contentment. We belong to you. Allow us to have the joy in our lives that only you can bring. And we'll give you all the praise and all the glory because you're a great God who loves us. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, Drive safely. We do have pizza now. We're going to have a kind of a little time together um, with our friends from Nigeria. But I want you to be able to do what you need to do um, with getting home. But just make sure you drive safely.